Chapter 6, Gastroenterology, Topic 6, Anorectal Disorders. Welcome to today's episode. We'll start off by reviewing the clinical differences between internal and external hemorrhoids. Hemorrhoids are a common and often uncomfortable condition, and understanding their characteristics is key in diagnosing and treating patients effectively. Let's start by defining hemorrhoids. They are essentially engorgements of arteriovenous connections within the anal canal. This condition can be categorized into two types internal and external hemorrhoids, each with distinct features. Internal hemorrhoids occur above the dentate line, an area lined by columnar epithelium. They are typically associated with a low-fiber diet, constipation, and increased portal pressures, which can be seen in conditions such as cirrhosis, obesity, and pregnancy. Interestingly, internal hemorrhoids are usually painless due to visceral innervation. The most notable symptom is bright red blood per rectum. They are classified from grade 1, which involves no prolapse, to grade 4, where there is an irreducible prolapse. Patients may also report a sensation of perianal fullness. Diagnosing internal hemorrhoids involves anoscopy and proctoscopy. In contrast, external hemorrhoids are located below the dentate line, an area lined by squamous epithelium. They are known for being extremely painful, especially when thrombosed, due to somatic innervation. Symptoms include bright red blood per rectum or on toilet paper, along with an itchy mucus discharge. When it comes to treatment, medical management is often the first step. For internal hemorrhoids, this includes a high-fiber diet, topical analgesics, and steroids like hydrocortisone and lidocaine. Antispasmodics such as topical nitroglycerin and nifedipine can be used, as well as sitz baths, which are warm baths used to alleviate anal sphincter spasms, particularly useful during acute flares. If medical management is insufficient, surgical options like rubber band ligation, sclerotherapy, and excision may be considered, particularly for severe unresponsive cases. The final topic in this brief section will be a discussion on anorectal cancer. Anal cancer, while not as common as other cancers, presents unique clinical challenges. The majority of anal cancers are squamous cell carcinomas, with adenocarcinomas being a rarity. Understanding the risk factors is crucial for both diagnosis and prevention. Key risk factors include infection with HPV serotypes 16, 18, 31, and 33, engaging in anal intercourse, smoking, and being HIV positive also increase the risk of developing anal cancer. Patients with anal cancer may present with a range of symptoms. Anal pain or a palpable mass are common complaints. Patients might also report a sensation of rectal fullness or experience constipation. These symptoms should prompt further investigation. When it comes to diagnostics, the cornerstone is a biopsy. This procedure is essential to confirm the diagnosis and to determine the specific type of cancer, which then guides treatment. Speaking of treatment, the NIGRO protocol is a cornerstone in the management of anal cancer. This involves chemoradiation. This is preferred over surgery primarily due to the preservation of the anal sphincter, which is critical for maintaining normal bowel function. Prevention plays a key role in reducing the incidence of anal cancer. The HPV vaccine is a powerful tool in this regard as it protects against the high-risk HPV strains most commonly associated with anal cancer. The use of barrier contraceptives, especially during anal intercourse, can also reduce the risk. Additionally, smoking cessation is recommended given the established link between smoking and various cancers including anal cancer.